Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where the horse to ride for your next bull purchase. 6th of February of 2021. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock. For the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have a market update and hear that wheat continues to show signs of decline, but canola price moving up, partly due to last week's StatsCan report. We hear from meteorologist Terry Lang on spring-like weather in the early part of this week, today and tomorrow, and then two inches of snow later this week. Real Agriculture takes a look at the hemp industry. We discuss crop insurance coverage for overwinter wildlife damage and highlight the new Western Canadian Wheat Growers book, Warriors for Wheat. We also have a look at the protests that were held in three centres, at least in Saskatchewan, for the farmers in India. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Canola prices are moving upward while wheat is moving down in trading this past week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Picallo says canola is up about $5 a ton in the past few days, while wheat has tumbled about $0.10 a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, uh, we have seen canola still push higher here on the futures side of things. Uh, Last week on December 3rd, so that was on Thursday, there was actually a supportive stats can report and uh, the canola production they came out with actually decreased about 4.5 percent nationally to 18.7 million tons in 2020 they're expecting so to give you an idea Canada does need close to that 20 million uh, metric tons in order to meet demand so that was again a a bullish number here for canola prices again uh, one maybe may question some of the numbers if uh, you know everybody was reporting exactly what uh, they have for canola but nonetheless it was still positive for the futures markets and kind of going into a few different numbers for nationally actually in Saskatchewan canola production was down 8% to 10.2 million tons really driven by lower yields and and harvested area reported so uh, overall again for canola prices it uh, does seem like they are still on an upward trend. So what happened with canola prices this past week and wheat? Well, again, starting off uh, the week here today on Monday, we are actually starting to go a little bit more higher on the day. We were down about $4 at one point. Now we are only down about $0.80. Cents. Uh, last week, though, when it comes to the futures, it was really on the Thursday-Friday that ha- caused prices to spike about uh, $5, $6 a ton in the last couple trading days. Uh, so overall, again, we are starting to still continue that positive trend for canola. And wheat? Wheat side of things, unfortunately, uh, we have been trending still lower. Uh, On the Minneapolis side of things, wheat is looking like we might be heading back to kind of the lower end of the range that we were back in October. On the Minneapolis side of things, uh, wheat was actually down in the last 
three trading days, uh, including today, approximately 10 cents a bushel. And again, it, uh, the fundamentals for wheat aren't maybe the same as some of the other grains, and uh, that could kind of still keep leading to, uh, to a lower trend. Yeah, so what is the outlook for this weekend beyond? Well, for the wheat side of things, uh, I am going to be watching that closely if the trends are going to be trending lower. Uh, traders are watching very closely the weather in South America because that uh, they they have turned uh, to have some more positive rains, and that's actually what's been kind of causing the, the soy complex to go down here a little bit and, and dragging uh, you know a few other things with it, including the corn market. However, again, fundamentals are still positive and. I think there might be a bit of jostling between the, the funds that are quite long the market here versus, you know, maybe a little bit of profit taking before year end. So the overall winter outlook and next spring? Well, looking at uh, things here, I've mentioned uh, kind of on our weekly call that I can still see canola being quite positive here for for the coming winter and, and spring months. Um, however, I think it is important for farms to still to be selling within to the rally uh, and incrementally taking profits. And uh, however, on the wheat front, that's maybe a bit different of a story. You know, it's again, fundamentals aren't positive. So I might be looking at, you know, some protection strategies sooner rather than later. Adam Piccalo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. This portion is brought to you by Salford Group. Call your Salford Equipment dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. Mild weather will give way to snow and more seasonal temperatures late this week. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says southern Saskatchewan, south of the Trans-Canada, can expect about two inches of snow later this week. Well, the first half of the week is actually going to be quite pleasant. Uh, above average temperatures in many places, uh, very warm and maybe record-breaking um, tomorrow, especially in that southeast uh, corner where there's not a lot of snow cover. So uh, very pleasant to get out and do things. Not too much wind either, which is often the case. It gets nice out and then there's this wind that kind of wrecks it all. But certainly for the next uh, two to three days, very, very nice um, conditions, especially for uh, second week of December here. Then we do see a cool down coming um, Wednesday, late Wednesday, Thursday. We do have a weather system moving through. Looks like it's going to stay Sort of a long highway number one and south, uh, bring some snow with it. It looks like about up to five centimeters worth of snow. And then cooling down after that to more seasonal values. So how warm will it get today and tomorrow? Uh, well, certainly in the uh, mid uh, sort of plus, you know, three to plus seven in many places, warmer where there is no snow. Uh, and tomorrow, uh, even higher, we're forecasting highs uh, close to 10 degrees in that southeast corner, which could be record-breaking for some of those places. But then it turns back to more seasonal. What's the outlook for next next week? Next week is sort of more in the seasonal realm. It's, uh, you know, just looking at the overall weather pattern. Um, it, it should be more seasonal. And that time, for this time of year, we're running highs around minus 5 to minus 7-ish for uh, high daytime highs and overnight lows closer to minus 18. So we're, you know, running well above average. So I think we're going to see more uh, in the means of sort of average temperatures next week, um, what they should be for this time of year. It also looks like we may have a couple more weather systems moving through, and that'll bring some more snow with it. And you said we're going to get five centimeters of snow likely this week? Certainly possible. Highway number one and south looks like uh, late Wednesday into Thursday. Tell me about the overall winter outlook. Uh, is it going to be colder than normal or warmer than normal? 
Well, we do have a La Nina that's established now. Uh, and what La Ninas tend to bring are for the winter, which is December, January, February, they tend to bring below average temperatures for that time period and above average precipitation. It's just sort of the way that it offsets uh, one of the jet streams. So that's the general pattern that is forecast for Western Canada. And you're expecting it to get how cold then? Well, we never sort of stick our necks out that far. Um, We always just say, you know, if you average temperatures all the way through those three months, on average, they should end up colder than average. So, and that's, you know, that's harder to determine because the the average temperatures from December 1st are different from what they are to all the way through to February, uh, the end of February, with the coldest temperatures uh, on average at the end of January, which is what's what we call the the dead of winter. So we have a lot more winter ahead of us. Uh, And it doesn't mean when we say what the long range forecasts are, it doesn't mean it won't get cold, doesn't mean it won't get warm, doesn't mean it won't snow. It's just on average, that's what's expected. But, you know, keeping in mind with sort of a caveat that um, our skill in long range forecasting isn't all that great. Terry, (laughs) Terry Lang is a meteorologist with Environment Canada. Hey everybody, it's Ted Creech here from Hill 70 Quantock Ranch of Lloydminster, Alberta. On the 6th of February of 2021, I'd like to invite everybody to our 51st annual Barn Burner Bull Sale starting at 12 noon. Now we'll sell approximately 400 bulls consisting of Red and Black Angus, Horn and Pulled Herefords, Red and Black Sim Angus, Charlay and Red Balancer Bulls, plus 100 bred and open commercial females to round out the day. Now don't be afraid to get in touch with us. Either call myself, Connor or Bill at 1-800-665-7253. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. My guest today is Ted Haney. He's executive director of the Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance. Hey, Ted, you're, you're fresh off your big annual meeting there a couple weeks ago. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to be the two-day MC of the event. Uh, you had attendants from all over the world. We did. We had, uh, we had a half a dozen countries uh, present, uh, over 100 participants. And for our first ever online conference, we we're very, very pleased. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, hemp is an interesting crop. There is uh, extreme passion from people that have been in it for quite some time, but there's a lot of new entrants into this crop as well. What, why do you think there's so many, so much interest from, from new farmers looking to enter the, you know, this, get involved in this crop? I think it's rotation, rotation, rotation. Uh, farmers are looking at a way to broaden their crop mix, look at different sources of revenue. They might have uh, had some experience with neighbors. Uh, a lot of cases they're actually entering because they have a relationship with either a seed buyer for food processing or a uh, decorticator, a fiber processor, or they have a relationship with a licensed cannabis processor so they can sell their flowers for cannabinoid or CBD extraction. And I think more and more we're starting to see those entrants rather than somebody who just had a good idea and want to give it a try. But rotation is a big part of this too, looking just to broaden the, the crop mix. 
Yeah, we're always looking for new crops to add into the the cycle and crops that have potential for profit too. That's uh, there's lots of crop options out there, but it's it's can you make money growing them? That's important. So when we look at the end uses for hemp, it, it, it does it come down to food, fiber, and flour? The three F's. That's right. I mean, we look at it as food, feed, fiber, and fractions. And the feed side is is today relatively narrow. The only functioning feed market is export of. Uh, small seed to Europe for the bird seed market, but we're working on a, a very, very aggressive project to register all of our major food products and seed products for livestock as livestock feed ingredients here in Canada. That's going to open up a great revenue stream. But yes, it's food selling uh, hemp seeds to food processors. They in turn make hemp seed oil, uh, dehulled hemp seed, hemp seed proteins, isolates, concentrates. Uh, that's by far our largest revenue stream in Canada. Has there been any developments in the fiber processing side of hemp? For example, new processors in Canada. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen the entrance or the entry of uh, three new players in the commercial decortication area. And we've also seen scale ups within those and other companies. So we've got, you know, now probably eight, uh, you know, operating companies and and within that, a couple of them are in their scale up. So when I say food feed, fiber and fractions, the fiber side today is still um, really has a capacity for 10 or 15% of the total straw produced in Canada. So it's not a functioning national market, but it is producing revenue for farmers who have an association with those fiber processors or those decorticators. And yeah, it is expanding. If for some growers in, in the country that are growing hemp, are, are they trying to access multiple streams of, of those end uses? And, and how possible is that? Like, can you break that down for us a little bit? Sure. Dual purpose seems to be something that's doable. The uh, hope for a tri-purpose is, is really uh, a bit of a stretch. So there are uh, producers out there that are growing for uh, seed and also harvesting uh, stocks for uh, decortication. That product, because it's a little more mature as a plant when it's harvested, typically doesn't stream into fiber processing for textiles, but it works really well for some of the other uh, products like insulation, hempcrete, etc. So uh, that seems to be a dual purpose that works. There's a dual purpose of people that are growing primarily for fiber, but also harvesting the flowers at an earlier uh, uh, point in the maturity of the plant. So that's a dual purpose. It seems to be working also. With respect to all three, um, I think there's some folks that are trying it, but um, there's a fair bit of harvest loss of the cannabinoids or trichomes when you combine a mature uh, plant. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Canola and its beautiful bright yellow flower blankets the prairies every growing season with 20 million plus acres. There's one place you need to go to get all your canola agronomic information, canolaschool.com. That's where you'll find all you need to know about seeding, disease, weeds and insects, harvest and marketing. Engaging and informative content all at your fingertips when you need the information. Visit canolaschool.com brought to you by Invigor Hybrid Canola and BSF Canada. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 
1866. Today, mainly cloudy sky, wind southwest 20, the high plus 3, the low minus 3, wind chill minus 9 overnight. Tomorrow, mainly sunny, wind southwest 20, the high plus 7, the low minus 4. Wednesday, increasing cloudiness, the high plus 2, the low minus 6. Thursday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 2, the low minus 8. Friday, partly cloudy, the high minus 5, the low minus 12. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 10, the low minus 15. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high minus 10. Normal high for this date, minus 7, the normal low, minus 18. The sun rose at 8.45 and sets at 4.55 tonight. The farm weather current temperatures, the hot spot is Cypress Hills at plus 9, the cold spot minus 5 in Stony Rapids. On the roundup, we have Estevan at 0, Saskatoon minus 4, Swift Current plus 5, Weyburn and Yorkton both 0. In Regina with cloudy skies, it's minus 2, that's 28 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northwest at 3. Humidity 79%, the barometer dropping 102.0. Cloudy and Moose Jaw plus 2, winds are from the west southwest at 24, gusting to 33. Once again, Regina cloudy and minus 2, that's 28 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. A peaceful protest was held in several Saskatchewan centres on the weekend, expressing concern about agricultural legislation recently passed in India. There were protests in Regina, Saskatoon and Yorkton. Raj Josen took part in a vehicle convoy in Yorkton. So we're protesting it against, uh, like, you know, there's a farm bills which are uh, being brought forward in India by Indian government, but uh, Indian farmers are protesting against it, and most of us here belong to farming families from India. So we're just, we're protesting against it. We want the Indian government to take back those laws and listen to the farmers and, uh, you know, their grievance and just take, repeal those laws. And, uh, you know, if they want to bring forward any laws, they should consult the farmers and then, you know, rectify if there's any, any problems with it. Josen explains the problem with the new laws in India. So it's more so, you know, they want to bring in corporate sector and, you know, they just want to take, there's a procurement, uh, you know, procedure in India. We have traditional markets and stuff. The government just want to take away that and bring in like corporate sectors who can buy the produce so they have monopoly. So, you know, you know, in a way, small farmers will not have a say in it. So, you know, over time, those big corporates can take over the procurement system and then they can dictate the terms at, at which terms they want to buy the produce so that way adversely affecting the price of the produce they can just you know negotiate and tell the farmer okay we're buying it at this price and that's it the farmer would have not say in how much their produce is worth so you know in the long run our produce will be will only value what the corporate think they are so you know we'll suffer in the long run and we won't get the the, the fair price for our produce Josen says it's a big change from the old system. There was a minimum support price, but the government brought these new legislation. There's no guarantee of the price, so the government say the market will will bring forward the price. So there's no, because there's some small farmers whose land are, holdings are not very small, they're not like here. 
their farmers have a very big chunk of land people who there's people who have one acre or five acres so they're really small farmers so they can't really compete with the big farmers so there's something called msp that's like a you know sport price the government usually in the past have that price set forth but this laws will not have that you know set price so the corporate they can you know they can tell okay if the government is not buying they don't have a sport price whatever the corporate says we have to sell or produce at that price so the the small farmers cannot compete with big farmer and the corporate so eventually they would have to be out of the competition and they're not left with anything Raj Josen was one of a number of peaceful protesters in Yorkton yesterday taking part in a vehicle convoy rallying against three agricultural laws passed in India recently. Farmers fear the legislation passed in September will eventually dismantle India's regulated markets and stop the government from buying wheat and rice at guaranteed prices, leaving them at the mercy of private buyers. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. The Western Canadian wheat growers have released a new 150-page hardcover book entitled Warriors for Wheat. The book is designed to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the founding of the wheat growers and highlights key farm events of the past 25 years. That's according to the chair of the anniversary committee, Clayton Cadillac. Well, the book portrays the uh, uh, past 25 years of the uh, Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association uh, from 1995 to 2020. Uh, as you know, there's uh, been a great deal of changes in agriculture in, in that period of time, and uh, the wheat growers were certainly an integral part of those changes. And uh, uh, we just had to um, you know, celebrate those uh, past 25 years with an anniversary book. We did. Uh, a book from uh, the first 25 years, so it uh, would seem uh, lo logical and uh, to to produce one for the second uh, uh, quarter century of our organization's existence. In the last 25 years, what do you see as the key highlight for the wheat growers? Well, the key highlight was no question the uh, removal of the monopoly of the Canadian Wheat Board. Uh, it uh, when we set out to write this book and started digging through the archives. Uh, uh, we couldn't hardly believe how much time, effort, and resources we put into that issue. And um, uh, that, you know, without a doubt, uh, that is uh, something we're, we're, mo we're most proud of. Do you feel history or time has proven that you were right, that the wheat board monopoly was a problem? Uh, we think so. Uh, we don't feel a lot of uh, uh, pushback for the reinstation of, of the of the wheat board. Uh, now that you can get you know a firm price right off the combine, uh, I, I think that uh, appealed to a lot of people once they got a taste of it and said, "Well, you know, why were we doing this for all those years uh, to begin with?" And plus, you know, we. You know, part of the uh, the demise of the uh, Canadian Wheat Board was uh, when the internet happened and we could suddenly see what farmers were getting across the line and then we couldn't help but wonder why our prices were not in any sort of competitive realm to the prices they were getting across the line and they got their money right away. So uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, one thing that uh, was really really uh, pushed the, the change along is just the advancements in, in uh, just the basic technology and knowledge to farmers. Other big issues. Transportation has been a big fight. Yeah, transportation has, has always been on our, our uh, radar screen. It's uh, and I, I think it always will be. 
and it, it too has come a long way. The book really starts in you know 1995. That was the really the beginning of like that's when the, the pro-benefit issue was kind of settled and put to rest. And uh, and then we had more of a market-driven uh, transportation system, which uh, uh, which really benefited uh, the um, the value-added value-added industries like the. Uh, the uh, the feed supplies for feedlots and and for well uh, not just feedlots for all livestock production uh, canola plants had a, suddenly they were on a level playing field and I mean I don't have to tell your listeners how many um, processing plants and how many tons of peas and lentils and chickpeas are are now processed on the prairies and that's uh, largely due because we don't have a, the government paying us to export it. Another couple of key issues, trade and recently, the, more recently, the carbon tax. Yeah, carbon tax is, uh, is something that's uh, <laughs> been a thorn in our side for a little bit here. Um, of course, we, we don't think that, um, you know, it's grain drying in particular that, that, really, um, that really hits us. Uh, I mean, some years we dry uh, a lot of grain, other years we don't. And uh, there's just no alternatives. You know, the point of the carbon tax is so we could flip over to use alternative energies. But at, at this point, that's just not working um, for, for us and, and in the grain drying aspect, certainly. Touch on trade for a moment. Uh, trade, yeah. The, um, uh, we are, we're always a believer. And uh, well, you have to be when you're a Saskatchewan grain farmer, a Western Canadian grain farmer, that you need the export market. And uh, uh, we we need access to these uh, to these markets. Uh, there's just uh, there's no getting around it. You know, without trade, we have nothing. How does someone get a copy of your book? Our book is available at our on our website at weekovers.ca. Uh, you'll see the the, the pop up and there's a link and there's uh, gives you a bit of um, there's some uh, there's videos that uh, that were put together due to our promotion. Um, as you know, our 2020 uh, convention had to be canceled because of uh, COVID. So we uh, did some alternate book launching um, ideas and you can see those on their, on our website and uh, I'm sure your, your listeners will appreciate it. And it's $49 plus shipping. $49 plus shipping. Yes. And uh, the turnaround's pretty quick on that. Usually the, uh, when orders come in, they typically go out the next day. That makes a great Christmas gift that looks good on any farmer's coffee table. Clayton Cadillac is the chair of the 50th Anniversary Committee of the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. Viterra prices were showing some downward pressure. Canola fell 350 at 547.77. Number one red spring wheat dropped 296 at 231.75. The rest unchanged. Durham, 297.62. Feed barley, 209.70. Flax, 693.37. Lentils, 572.50. Oats, $206.53. Yellow peas, 334.89. And feed wheat, 183.72. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, red spring wheat fell four and a quarter cents at 546 and a quarter cent a bushel. The Livestock Quotes brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest quotations. 
the Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from the Swift Yards. A big week in the yards here last week. The Tuesday regular sale at 1,100 cattle in it. The cow market steady, average is 67 per pound. Uh, real typey cows, 70 to 75. Some of the older cows showing the, the age are 50 to 55. That's kind of keeping your average hovering in the 67 range. Good bulls, 85 to 95. Sales do creep up over a buck on the very extreme top end. Bread cattle, yeah, lots of them on offer. Uh, it seems uh, pretty solid quality bread cattle are bringing from 17 to 2,000. Uh, I do expect this week on some of these fancy uh, long-term consignment sales, we'll see some 25 to 35s. But uh, right now, we've seen some very usable cattle at 17 to 2. Uh, we're seeing some uh, middle-aged cows and some lighter heifers in that 13 to 16 range. And if they are kind of the also-ran, some of the older cattle or cattle that people don't like as well, pretty much it's uh, whatever the slaughter or feeder market is. Onto the feeder cattle on Saturday, we had 1,864 calves in the sale. 581 was the average weight. And all the calves, $1,120. Uh, that closes out the calf sales for the year this year, and uh, done so basically on a pretty steady kind of market. Uh, bread cattle is what's happening from here on to Christmas, and boy, there's bread cattle for sale every day, everywhere. It looks like maybe the right time to buy them, too. I think we got a good future ahead of us. That's the way it is in cattle country. Heartland Swift Current. The latest pork prices, 154.67 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence, olympic-buildings.ca. The Saskatchewan government has amended the potash production tax regulations to improve opportunities in the potash sector around innovation and research and development. The regulations will offer incentive tax credits of 40% eligible expenses for qualified research and development projects and approved market development programs. The amendments will enable companies to take full advantage of the credits by removing expiry dates and enhancing eligibility requirements. Energy and Resources Minister Bronwyn Eyre says the province wants to attract and foster new advancements in the resource sector for economic recovery. Qualified projects must show improved production efficiency, reduce environmental impact, reduce physical risks to employees and mine operations, or develop new and improved potash products. Companies must develop new markets or expand existing ones to be eligible for market development credits. GenSource Potash Corporation President Mike Ferguson welcomes the amended regulations, particularly for its Togaski project. The Saskatchewan potash sector accounts for 30% of world production and directly employs about 5,000 people. Potash sales last year reached 12.3 million tons, the second highest on record, with sales expected to reach a record of nearly 14 million tons in 2020. On the markets, gains in the technology sector lifted Canada's main stock index in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets were mixed. The TSX Composite Index was up 47 points at 17,568. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 137 points at 30,080. The Canadian dollar traded at 78.09 cents U.S. compared with 78.12 cents Friday. The January crude oil contract was down 23 cents at $46.03 per barrel. 
That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Hill 70 Quantock Ranch. The place to be for your next bull purchase. Mark the right date, February 6th, 2021. Call 1-800-665-7253 anytime, any day. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where quality comes in quantity on the 6th of February of 2021. Be welcome to join us for our annual bull sale.